That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Hey there, radio fans, podcast fans. Tom Rose, Gary Bauer with you. The Bauer and Rose podcast, Bauer and Rose show, wherever you get your podcasts. We're brought to you by JustTheNews.com. We're also on Sirius XM Satellite Radio, the Patriot Channel 125. Make sure and check us out. Gary, there's a lot to get into, and we're going to get into it all. There's the Durham report. There's this IRS and FBI continuing cover-up of uh, Biden corruption, not necessarily Hunter Biden corruption. This would be Joe Biden corruption. And, of course, the open border issue. But if I have your permission, can I start with a a rant slash epiphany oh i i i get up every morning hoping that i can hear one of those from you thomas <laughs> okay <laughs> i had a magnificent weekend my youngest son graduated uh college in st louis from washington university which is great it was a left-wing thing but whatever but it hit me as i'm driving around st louis Everything in our society is wrecked. I was thinking about this over the weekend. Everything in our wrecked. Yeah, just wrecked. Just everything in our society is broken. Our cities, our schools, our infrastructure, our energy supply system, which I want to get into a bit later. Our government, our military, our media, our consciously open borders with millions upon millions of illegal aliens just pouring into the country. At will, our woke corporations, our culture, our mainline churches and synagogues, the health and well-being of our kids, our economy, our savings, our nest eggs, our personal safety, our energy system, rising crime, homelessness, rampant drug use. And then it kind of hit me. There's a theme here, an intersectionality, if you will. Something that ties all this damage together. Drum roll, please. It's the left. They have the anti-Midas touch. They ruin everything they touch. They break or they crush everything they get their hands on. And anymore, Gary, they have their hands on everything except maybe our throats. We've heard the term intersectionality. It's the term that the left throws around all the time. That used to be the obscure... Uh, meanderings of sociology professors at elite institutions. But intersectionality is this framework for supposedly understanding how a person's various social and political experiences and identities combine to create, you know, different modes of of persecution and discrimination uh, that they face. But you know what? We're the ones being crushed by their intersectionality. They all want to crush us. 
the environmental fanatics that, that want to deindustrialize and impoverish us, the transgender movement that's destroying our kids, the teachers' unions destroying our schools, uh, the universities, the woke corporations, the massive administrative state that, that runs two systems of justice now. Feminists use uh, intersectionality to to wreck their aspects of society. These so-called civil rights activists use blacks to promote their definition of destruction. It all comes together, and all these causes, and it dawned on me, have one purpose in mind, whether they even know it or not, and that's to destroy our society, to weaken it, to impoverish it, to immiserate it, and to replace it with at the very best, uh, uh, soft totalitarianism, at worst, something uh, rougher than that. I mean, can you name, and I'm almost done, don't worry, can you name one institution or one structure in our society that's better today than it was 25, 50 years ago? Is there a single academic institution in our country that has higher standards of excellence than it did 25 years ago? I, I can't think of any. Maybe you can. Well, folks, you've been listening to the Rose podcast, and uh, we hope you come back. Uh, I know Tom hopes you come back next week uh, for another scintillating. Uh, no, I, Tom, I would not dare interrupt that. This is one of the few times that you've uh, wrapped it all up together, and uh, and well, well done, my friend. That's exactly the situation that we're in, Tom. And I, I would say that, you know, even though uh, in the political arena, the Republican Party, um, many in, in, in Republican Party leaders have gotten better in, in getting their rhetoric up to the level suitable for the moment of danger we are in, but it is still not needs to be. It's still not where it needs to be. And uh, this what you just outlined, Tom, this should be the central debate of the next presidential and uh, congressional elections less than, uh, you know, about 18 months away now. Uh, We both believe that this next election if we win it, it won't determine that we're going to win this battle for America. A lot more will have to happen. But if we lose the next round of elections, it's over, folks. It's over. Now, maybe, you know, maybe you have convinced yourself that, well, my kids are through school. My grandkids are almost through school. Uh, I'm just going to sit in my church and, uh, you know, praise the Lord, which is always a good thing. Or, uh, you know, I've got a I've got a second home and we have fortified it. It's off on an island someplace or a mountaintop retreat. And I'll just wait it out. Uh, good luck. Good luck. I mean, uh, I suppose it's possible to start sort of a monastery movement where, you know, thousands of people figure out a way to go off and and ponder and nonstop uh, uh, sing praises and think about the meaning of life in the world. But uh, meanwhile, the dark age that will sink around everybody else is going to be uh, one heck of a horrible thing. So I, 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 I don't know what the answer is, Tom. I, I, I've actually seen a couple of very long articles in the last year or so. 
uh, about the fact that everything, everything, everything has been broken by the left, has been torn down, made a pale uh, shadow of what it used to be. And um, they're, they're not done. They're, Tom, it can't be a coincidence that major U.S. cities all over the country have willingly allowed their downtown areas to be transformed into hellholes, places where mentally deranged street people sleep, defecate, urinate, harass law-abiding citizens, make it impossible for businesses to justify new investments in those cities. What possible motive could even left-wing urban leaders have to allow that other than, Tom, I'm, I'm left with the conclusion they're intentionally doing it. They want to demoralize. They want to, um, they want to make Americans think that all is lost. All is done. No, it's over. Or, you know, just take care of yourself and batten down the hatches because nobody's going to be able to help you, average Americans. This is the way it is now. This is what America's going to be. Um, Tom, why would modern day architects design the crap they design? Why do we allow some of the most noble examples of sculpture and and uh, uh, of artistic work be torn down in the name of somebody's objection to what uh, evil used to be in American history? Why would a society do that? Why, why are school administrators teaching our children, uh, as somebody's a child reported to them the other day, uh, I read this on a blog or on a, a website that I go to sometimes called The, the Stream. Um, a, a grandfather was asking his granddaughter why she went all the way through school getting all these A's and all of a sudden she gets a C. What happened? And she said, oh, well, it, it was in this course where they were pushing all this nonsense about sex uh, and demanding that we write papers about it. And I just couldn't do it, granddad. You know, she said they, they don't teach us about the birds and the bees anymore. They, they teach us about the birds and the birds and the bees and the bees and birds to give one morning to get up one morning and decide their bees. And I just couldn't bring myself to vomit that back to them. So they gave me a C in the class for incomplete work. Ruined my entire high school perfect record of A's. God bless her. She refused to tell lies. You know, I'll say this, and that was great. And this is, I'm going to, um, Bauer mocked me for my four minute and 37 second <laughs> rant. That was six minutes and 26 seconds. It was all great. I'm just, I'm just, and I can, can I posit a possible answer? Maybe I'm giving them more credit than they deserve. Why are they all doing this? Perhaps it's because they know that in chaos there is power to be had and power 
here is their point of intersectionality. It's where it all comes together. It's you've got a football team, 11 guys out there on defense, each one with a different responsibility, a different point on the... They're all going at this, but it's the same... The result is the same, and that is destruction and immiseration and poverty. And I, I, I don't, um, I don't know how. Look, I, I don't like thinking about this because it puts me in a bad mood. It is totally understandable and totally normal that most people don't want to talk about it. They don't want to think about it. Evil's a rough thing to have to contemplate. If I worry about as you indicated, my own life and myself, and I got to get my car fixed, and uh, I got to pay my electric bill, all that kind of stuff. Um, We can ignore it, but we do it at our peril. We do it at our great peril as this continues to happen. There is, I heard um, a lecture the other night, and you'll forgive me, I forgot his name, but the Chancellor Emeritus of the Moody, of the Moody Bible Institute in Chicago, who, <clears throat> it, this was absolutely brilliant, and he was critiquing the church, if, if you'll forgive me, that the church, that's capital C, in America today, and it's had a history in the past in Germany, is more concerned with what he called niceness than in the gospel, that Christians have to be nice and tolerant and accepting. And when they see the culture heading in the direction it goes, they have the alternative of to fight it or to open their arms and embrace the change in order to be nice, in order to uh, spread the gospel through uh, decency and tolerance. The problem is it it ends up as a self-fulfilling prophecy. The church is weakened, the gospel is weakened, and all the negative trends in society are reinforced and validated. Uh, to the vast uh, listening audience of the Bauer and Rose podcast, um, uh, you just heard my uh, Jewish-American friend uh, give a wonderful critique of the Christian church in America that I, as a Christian, uh, couldn't have done a better job of. Um, and Tom, uh, as a Jew, you know, you, you know the history of what happens in countries that are ostensibly Christian that end up um, pulling a blanket over their heads when evil is beginning to rise. Your people end up getting killed uh, among other things that happen. Uh, you know, the church in Germany, when Hitler was rising to power, and, and we've talked about this a little bit, but, uh, you know, there was a, a sliver of those pastors in those churches uh, that uh, they went all in. They brought the crooked, crooked cross of Nazism and displayed it on the stage right next to the cross of Jesus Christ. And then there was a Another group, a, a splinter of the church, uh, that uh, openly uh, and uh, strongly resisted, and many of them paid with their lives. They were imprisoned, uh, but history judged them for being true, in my view, true followers of Jesus Christ and the fact that they would not agree to lie. 
they spoke the truth at the time that it could cause you to lose your head. But Tom, more worse than that, worse than in its own way, worse than the ones that displayed the swastika, um, there was a a group of churches, and they were the vast majority, that just said, Ugh, man, politics here has really gotten dirty. I want nothing to do with it. I'm just going to go to church every morning and uh, and listen to a good sermon about how I am supposed to live my life. Well, I don't know what the pastors preached in those churches during that period of time, but they had to avoid all biblical stories that are stories, and there are scores of them, of um, of both Jews and Gentiles that stood up to evil the, in biblical times. The book, the book, <clears throat> and I just bought it on Kindle, and I started it two days ago. <clears throat> and again, I'm the religious uh, Jew for Judaism here. Um, Erwin Lutzer, who you, I'm sure, know, former uh, chancellor of the Moody Bible Institute, uh, the book is No Reason to Hide, Standing for Christ in a Collapsing Culture. And what I've read, and I've only, I only just started it, I'm only like 20 pages in, and, and this is in no way meant to uh, negate anything about Christianity or standing for Christ, but as a Jew, uh, there's nothing that I've read so far, nothing, not a word, that... Uh, um, offends me as a Jew because what he's talking about, I think, and I don't want to put words in his mouth, are Christian values and Jewish values and biblical values that all it takes is a moment of liberation, a moment of freedom that you will speak the truth, you're comfortable with the consequence, whatever it may be, and can I, I mean, this is one thing I absolutely love about Christians. I just, I adore it, and I, I envy it. Whenever you're having a conversation with a Christian, it's, it's a business conversation. He's your boss. Uh, listen, Tom, you know, I was expecting the report yesterday at 5. I didn't get it. Um, can you get it to me by 9? Because we really need it. That's what we agreed on. Uh, I'm sure I'm so, so sorry. He says, all right, well, God bless you. Um, and that's the end of the conversation, as if, see you later, so long, goodbye. And you know what my, first of all, I love hearing that. And you know what my reaction is? My reaction is, he has, he does. He blesses me every second of every day. And I almost feel guilty that you are asking God to further bless me. I mean, save some of the blessings for people that need it. I just find it so... Uh, well, I'm glad you feel that way, Tom, because your boss has called me a couple of times. <laughs> he's saying, I don't know how much longer it's going to take me for Rose to get the message. But uh, <laughs> anyway, no, well, that's a that's a very nice thing to, to say, Tom. Look, I, I, I have the uh, unenvious... Uh, uh, chore in the morning, along with lots of other people, to experience the Washington, D.C. and Anvaran uh, morning rush hour. And that uh, I, have, I have taken to uh, changing my route to work so that I can avoid a number of churches that I have to pass on the quickest way to work. What do you mean? 
because when I pass those churches, I inevitably see the rainbow flag. Oh, you want to throw up? I got it. <laughs> or the uh, Ukrainian flag hanging outside of them. Uh, now, that's not as offensive, obviously, except these are churches that would not ever think about putting the American flag outside of them. Um, so, uh, look, Tom, I think I, I don't think you can under it's impossible in interpreting American history uh, or world history or the history of the human race to underestimate the power of fear. Uh, and I don't mean just the raw power of, gosh, if I say anything else to this guy, he's going to punch me in the nose. Or if I give this person any more lip, they'll fire me. Uh, that's, um, that's one kind of fear. But, but we're faced today, Tom, with, uh, with something that's, a, a you know, the, I understand that other fear, but I'm talking about the fear of, oh my goodness, if I, if I sign this letter uh, and it gets back to my neighbors, I might lose some friends. Or what if I don't get, you know, invited to the neighborhood uh, holiday party? Um, in the case of some pastors, the fear is, gee, uh, John and Martha are big donors and I know they're liberal Democrats. I'm really amazed they're still at the church, but I Certainly don't want to lose the last liberal couple at the church. So I better deprive everybody else in the church from hearing the truth about what the left is doing to America and the danger the uh, left in America presents to religious liberty in all of its forms. You know, this guy Lutzer, who I've now mentioned three times, wrote a great book 10 years ago, whatever called um, uh, Hitler's Cross. He made exactly the same point. I didn't read the whole thing. But he said in front of many churches, you alluded to this earlier, uh, there were swastikas on the front door. And today's equivalent, and I'm not equating uh, the social justice movement in the United States to Adolf Hitler, just so Media Matters doesn't, well, they will anyway. So, But it's the same instinct when... Um, the rainbow flag is in front of the church, or hate has no home is in front of the church. It's almost a social indulgence. Don't come for me. I'm on your side. Don't be confused by the cross atop the building. I'm on your side. I'm with you. Go get the other guy. Leave me alone. I thought that was a great point, and I think there might be validity to it. Um, in a lot of the mainline church movements in this country today, and I am far from an expert on this. I'll leave that to you. Well, you know, you know Tom, the, uh, I, it's been a while since I've seen the movie High Noon. Um, it, so maybe I'm, there's a couple of Westerns that have sort of the same theme. And for those who are uh, movie experts, forgive me if I'm, if I'm uh, morphing some of these movies into each other. But as I remember the theme of high noon is that a bunch of bad guys have come to town and uh, the guy that's going to have to face them uh, goes through the town for a good bit of the movie attempting to enlist the assistance of other low abiding members of the community and um, to a person they turn him down 
they're they're not interested. Uh, they're not up for that fight. It's really none of their business. And uh, when, when he finally goes out alone to face, I think there's four of them. I believe there's a scene where you see people closing their windows and, and pulling down their shades because they want to have deniability that uh, whenever the terrible thing happens, which in this case is the bad outnumbered bad guy gets killed. They want to be able to say to their neighbors, gee, I, I didn't realize that was, I was taking a nap. I, I, and I had my shades down. I, I might have heard some noise, but, uh, uh, I, I just thought it was somebody, you know, uh, shooting a gun in the air. Uh, oh, I feel, I feel terrible about this. And, and that's what a lot of not, well, a lot of the church is doing. I, I keep bringing up the church, Tom, because I've spoke, spent a good bit of my life after the Reagan administration, uh, trying to organize, uh, uh, believing Christians to be involved citizens and give them the information and, uh, the data that they, they needed to understand, uh, that, uh, I, I wasn't saying to them that you had to be, uh, if you were a Christian, you had to be a Republican. God knows I realized that's not true. Uh, but I did want them to understand that on things that are very central to the faith, uh, it just happens that at this moment in American history, uh, the only party uh, that in a part was willing to stand for those things, the sanctity of life, marriage between a man and a woman, most importantly, to stand without contradiction for the idea that in America, one of the founding principles is that every human being has the right to seek God and worship God as their heart and soul leads them. And at the same time, uh, the other party, the Democrat Party, was all in on abortion on demand, was um, uh, openly and quietly redefining marriage until they got to the point now where the Democrats will punish a black pastor that somebody is asked to speak and give the invocation at one of their gatherings at one of their Democrat Party fundraisers or at their convention. And if there's a history that that black pastor spoke out for the sanctity of life or against same-sex marriage, and that comes out, they'll cancel the black pastor rather than let him speak at their party event. We're going we're gonna to take a break. One quick anecdote. I was driving from St. Louis to uh, Indianapolis last night after a, a college graduation. When you cross the Mississippi River and enter into Illinois from the Missouri side... You know how all the states, you know, welcome to land of Lincoln or whatever it is. The Illinois official sign says, welcome to Illinois, where abortions are safe and legal. <laughs> I, Holy I, I, cow. I, I, and then the next major, um, you know, billboard was about marijuana, about cannabis available here, there, that's the world that we live in. We got to take a break. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Bauer and Rose show on the Bauer and Rose podcast and the Bauer and Rose show on Sirius XM, the Patriot channel 125. (laughs) 
CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Welcome back, everybody. Bauer and Rose with you. Uh, We're available Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, Apple iTunes, wherever. You know, we're not on. We should get like a Getter account or a Rumble account. I don't think we have one of those, do we? Wow. That that is that's terrible, Tom. Uh, I don't think we do. I leave these things up to you. Now see, folks, there's my – you said earlier everything's broken. Tom's broken. He doesn't have us on Getter or Rumble? Come on, man. Actually, actually, you know what? I was mistaken. Not everything is broken. Our election system works perfectly. It's magnificent. It's flawless. Our voting system is – everything else is screwed up, but our voting system is perfect. Yeah, there. Now you're being, folks, sarcastic. See, I I have a thing on my computer that tells how many people are listening. Tom, half of them just turned us off because they thought they couldn't see the expression on your face, and they thought that you were uh, uh, that you were speaking the truth there or what you actually thought. Yeah, you know, my entire life, Tom, I grew up uh, hearing over and over again, and uh, there there'd be specials on TV about it. Uh, about the corruption in America's big cities during our elections. It was legendary. Uh, the Daily Machine, uh, you know, uh, what it would do. I mean, this was w- widely understood. Uh, and then all of a sudden, in, in the Trump era, uh, everybody must say, our elections are fair. Nobody has ever found any evidence that there was anything that happened that was not supposed to legally happen during the two elections. And it is amazing how many people have re- repeated like it is a nursery rhyme that they learned in kindergarten and will never leave their minds. You know, almost every article, Tom, in the in the Washington Post, if it refers to the elections in 2016 and 2020, will say the 2020, the 2020 election was which was uh, fair and free, literally in the middle of a news article. Right. Right. The freest ever. Not just right. free. The most. It was perfect. It was absolutely perfect. Can we <clears throat> can we can get I, I don't, before you go on before you go because you brought up Illinois and that, you know, uh, uh, welcome to Illinois, where uh, abortions are. Uh, what was it again? Safe and legal. Safe and legal. You notice the word that they left out. Rare. Which what used to be the standard word that uh, the. Uh, Bill Clinton Democrat Party would say was the word rare. And of course, foolishly, uh, I would attack them. Uh, and, and of course, they dropped rare. I would attack them because why are you saying rare? Because you're telling us that it's just like an appendicitis. When appendicitis has no moral significance to it. So uh, why do you want to assure us that abortions are rare in in the in the position that you take, uh, because the, by by assuring us that they're rare, you're admitting 
that it's not just an appendicitis that's being taken care of. It's a destruction. It's it's a it's an act with a moral significance to it. Tom, you remember that the governor of um, of New York, uh, who I believe was Cuomo at the time, uh, said openly, um, he said, look, we want people to come to New York. We want you to invest in New York. But if you're one of those people that is against abortion and against same-sex marriage, don't even bothering to come. We don't want people like you in our state. Uh, By the way, on Illinois, as we know, there's a big battle going on uh, over uh, what is in our, our school libraries and in our public libraries and um, uh, parents that have gone to public libraries and to school libraries and said, look, you've got to get these sexually explicit books uh, out of the children's section. You know, you can put them where the adult section is, but but this is inappropriate for little elementary school children to 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 be to have access to those parents are being uh labeled uh, book banners and book burners. Well, uh, the state of Illinois has just adopted a statement of principle by the American Library Association. And that statement of principle says that it is um, impermissible to take material out of a library or to put it in different sections in a library uh, based on uh, the material being uh, inappropriate age-wise. So the, the, the Illinois legislature has adopted that as their standard and has said that any library in Illinois that removes such material or isolates such material into an area that only adults can see will have their state funding cut by the state of Illinois. And these these books, by the way, and I, I don't want to get too into it because it's a family show, um, and these books are flat-out pornographic. When conservatives are accused of banning these books, I say amen. Accuse me of banning the book Gender Queer, designed for grade school kids, Discussing in explicit, disgusting detail and specificity sex acts between people of different genders, the same gender. Now I'm using the term the different sex, the same sex, no sex. These are these are disgusting uh, pornographic books and the notion that somehow we ban books Every library has to make a choice about what books to fill its shelves with. There are tens of millions of books. Not every school library can include every book that is registered with the American Library of Congress in Washington. It's a a totally felonious argument. Can I shift gears? Because we are going to run out of time, but I want to get into this. The Title 42 and the open border now. The media, you have to wonder whether or not there is a single, I don't want to say honest journalist, but uh, aggressive journalist, one that isn't just lazy, one that doesn't simply uh, dictate 
and repeat uh, press releases issued by the White House. The media now, wall to wall, says, well, Title 42 is gone. That was the provision that President Trump imposed at the height of the academic at the height of the pandemic as a way to uh, easily deport illegals crossing the border for public health reasons that expired and the media now uh, universally is arguing that Biden's new border approach policy is tough and why is it tough because almost all of the asylum claims will be rejected well, let me tell you something. I know a little about this because I was involved in this issue for four years in the White House. Let me tell you what happens. You get into the country. You're uh, confronted by Border Patrol. You're issued, if you're unlucky, you're issued a court date. And if you're not, you're simply released. If you're issued a court date, it's usually two, three years in the future. Now, for the 5% of the people who actually show up at an immigration hearing to determine their claim for asylum, here's what happens. These are not, um, these are not criminal courts. There are no bailiffs. There are no handcuffs. There are no police officers. If you are one of the 20 that actually shows up, you drive up, you park your car, you pay the parking attendant, you walk into the building, you go to the fourth floor, you wait your turn. The judge says, I'm sorry, uh, Julio, your asylum claim is denied. The Julio says, okay, thank you. Then Julio goes back downstairs, crosses the street, gets back in his car, and drives off. They don't take you from the administrative court to the border. There's no, inf- it's, the whole thing is a total sham. There's no. And in fact, if you try, like the Trump Pence administration did, to get, um, within the country immigration control by sending federal officers out to find Julio and take him to the border, all Hades breaks out. There there were even cases, Tom, uh, during those years where uh, neighborhoods full of people that probably were here illegally came out to help the illegal immigrant that the agents were trying to get to take out of the country to prevent the agents from being able to do that. But the, but, but the administration's policy that they're claiming this tough new policy is a fraud. There's no enforcement mechanism. There's not even a re, I mean, if you show up, nothing, and you're found to have applied for asylum even fraudulently. It's not like they put handcuffs on you and take you to the border. You walk out of the building. There's no consequence. Yeah, this, Tom, look, this is, Biden's running for re-election. It's absolutely clear he is. And uh, this is all part of the cleanup uh, to try to, you know, one by one, get rid of the things that are, they believe, dragging down his approval rating. Um, it, it's pitiful. And you're right. The, uh, There's no media coverage. None. No, All the no. media says is Biden's imposed 
tough new enforcement policies that well, we're going to turn down 99% of the asylum claims. Yeah, oh, look, Tom, they're, they're reporting uh, this morning that uh, there's been a significant drop of 50% in the number of people crossing the border. That's because last week were the largest numbers. There were 10 to 12,000 people a day crossing the border, 84,000 people in one week last week. And now this week, it's back to more like, you know, 8,000 a day, which is a 50%, you know, close to, you know, maybe 40% drop. And a lot of that is because Governor Abbott had more Texas law enforcement out and they were, but the whole thing. So as we're wrapping up here, Tom, the Durham report came out. We don't have time to discuss it, but I just want to say this, that the Durham report that came out uh, yesterday or earlier this week showed that in 2016, the FBI and federal law enforcement took a hoax, which was the claim of Russian collusion and they were able, with the help of a compliant media, to turn it into something that looked like the truth. And by doing that, they deeply damaged the incoming Trump administration, ruined the lives of dozens of people that were working for the Trump-Pence administration. But it's worse than that, because four years later, in 2020, they took a truth, which was the corruption that was evident on the Hunter Biden laptop, and they turned that into a hoax so they could guarantee the fraudulent election of Joe Biden. And Tom, on top of it all, the current director of the FBI yesterday issued a statement saying, well, this was really a bad chapter for the FBI. And thankfully, we have placed reforms in place that make it impossible for something like that to ever happen again. And the same thing is happening while Ray put the statement out. Nothing has changed at the FBI. It has been totally politicized. It is a tool of the progressive left in America and of Biden at this very moment is refusing to provide a Republican House committee with a document they have requested that we have reason to believe would make clear the depth of Biden family corruption. They're doing that right now as we are doing this podcast. They're, this Durham report utterly obliterates the entire Russiagate hoax. It's a 300-page indictment, but of course there are no consequences. And why are there no consequences? Well, accountability is is lacking throughout our elite institutions, throughout the institutions that, that govern the country, government, corporate, whatever. Um, but considering that Durham had to bring cases and try cases in Washington, D.C., and when he did so, they were disastrous. Um, it's not surprising. So we're back to, uh, who was it? Um, uh, Omar, who described 9-11 as, uh, um, you know, some people did something. 
There are no right. consequences. Nothing is going to happen to anyone. And this was as damning a report as one can imagine, because now uh, the likelihood of um, worse, it's worse. It's not that nothing happens. It, it's that things do happen. You're rewarded. You're rewarded if you do this. You, you get a, a, a cushy assignment uh, being a commentator on CNN or MSNBC. You get book contracts. Uh, you know, you get you, you get to keep your your uh, federal pension. There's no consequences. Your life is made better by what you did to undermine our constitutional republic. Tom, this, you know, this, the thought struck me. What what they tried to do in 2016 was actually a real insurrection. They were trying to cancel out the result of a presidential election. And they're trying it now. They're yeah. trying it now. I'm not confident. I mean, it, the whole D.C. jury business, a conservative has as much chance of getting a fair trial in Washington, D.C., as a black man had in getting a fair trial in Mississippi in 1915. It, it's just it's that it's that bleak. Yeah, you know, you're, you're right, Tom. In the Reagan administration, very early on, we were briefed. If you have a decision on your desk or a strategy you want to use, and there's some question in your mind whether it's completely consistent with rules and regulations, do not do it. As a member of the Reagan administration, if you get pulled in front of a D.C. jury, your life is going to change forever. So always, you should be erring on the side of legality anyway, but this is just a reminder that even if you made the right decision, but it was a close call, don't even take close calls because you everything will change for you and your family if you get thrown, thrown in front of one of these grand juries in, in Washington, D.C. Very unfortunately well said we're out of time. Uh, we will reconnect later in the week. And until then, thank you for listening. We know you've got tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of podcasts to choose from. And that you choose to spend your time uh, with us is an honor and tribute uh, to us. I'm grateful. Even Gary's grateful. I am. And God bless you, Tom. Amen. He does. He does. I'm showered with his blessings. Have a great couple of days. We'll talk soon. 